This is Bang. Welcome to my party. We're just getting started. A life is a dream or a nightmare scarring. Hand me a drink because I think I'm going all in. Get me a shrink. Who can catch me when I'm falling? Cover up my scars. Flip the handlebars. Crashing in my car. Welcome, everybody, to the Bow Fishing Association of Michigan podcast. Also known as BAM. Again, my name is Jason Horton, and we are coming to you one week before our very first tournament. So we thought we'd bring you some details about that. Uh, We also have a guest that's going to come on. Our guest today is going to be Tom Miller. He is the creator, the originator. I was going to try to rhyme there, but I, I, I can't do anything else. So we'll just stick with that. Um, of the arrow out, it's been a product that he developed a couple years ago and it's been fantastic when it comes to helping get arrows out of stumps, uh, hard bottoms, stuff like that. What a fantastic product. So we're going to have him on. He is a big sponsor for BAM. We'll talk to him about his product, some of the thoughts behind why he developed it, and other things that Merit Manufacturing does other than just the arrow out and attachments and stuff like that. So to get started, we want to bring you an update on this weekend's tournament. Uh, This weekend's tournament is the West Side Tournament. It is April 22nd, 3rd, 22nd and 23rd. It's the West Side Big 20 in, in numbers shoot. 7P to 7A. Um, the location now has been updated, and it is 3668 S Drive South in Athens, Michigan. Um, they did talk that uh, if we received above average rain, the previous night, the location may change. Uh, it possibly could change to Ziegler Farms. Uh, the old farm, I believe, is what I was told. If this happens, BAM will post it online, as well as we will put a sign at the original location. We'll delay send-off to provide the participants time to find the new location. The boundaries are going to be all Michigan public waters west of Highway 127 and I-75. We do want to say beware of the local laws regarding the designated trout streams. Um, also, it has to be public boat ramps only. There is red zone maps that you can find on bowfishbam.com. They may be posted on Facebook as well, but you can also find the red zone maps on, on, I know you can find them on Bowfish Bam. Just click on the West Side Big 20 and Numbers Tournament, and there's a red zone map there. Uh, this tournament, uh, the volunteer host is Josh Damron, which is our vice president. So he will be your contact. You'll find all that online as well. So the cost of this tournament, first of all, uh, you have to be a BAM member. 
that is required to shoot any BAM tournament. That is $30. That will also include a slime rag and a decal. So that is part of your membership. You receive those items. Uh, The tournament cost is going to be $30 per person. Uh, Anybody over 16. uh, Anybody under 16 is free. Participants may choose to shoot either the big 20 or the numbers, but they cannot do both. That is a change from last year that happened at our annual at our annual meeting. So if you did not know that, uh, now you do, you cannot sign up for both this year. Uh, we changed that back. So you have to pick one, either big 20 or numbers. Uh, the big 20 has an option of a $5 number side pop. And numbers has a additional five dollar Big Ten side pop. The Big Fish pot is five dollars per person as well, and all teammates must pay the Big Fish side pot to qualify. So that just being said, if you don't really understand that rule, what it is is if you're a four man team, two guys on the team can't pay the five dollars for the Big Fish side pot. The whole team, every every member on the team has to do that to participate. Um, what else do I have here? That's right. So new for this year is the $5 average Joe side pot. So that will be re- awarded to the team that places in the middle of the pack. But you have to do buy into that just like any other side pot you pay five dollars to buy into that um so based on the participants uh, i'm sorry based on the participation payouts will be up to five for big 20 up to paying out for five get this straight so you understand what i mean so based on the participation of each class is what i'm getting at the payouts will pay up to five places for big 20 and three places for number. Um, all the BAM rules apply. You can view them on the website at bowfishbam.com. So, again, just real quick, uh, the host organizer of this tournament is Josh Damron. You can find his phone number on the Bowfish BAM website. The venue is the West Side Big 20 in numbers. This is April 22nd, starting at 7 p.m., to April 23rd, 7 a.m. Again, if it gets changed, the location gets changed, possibly to like Ziegler Farms, we will delay send off just so that people that didn't get it, the notification can, when they show up at the original site, if it gets changed, they'll there will be a sign there. So you can make your way over to the new site. They will not be too far away from each other. So I'm excited. This West Side tournament has been going on for a few years. Uh, last year, it was just called a Big 30. I think the year before that was a Big 30. Uh, it, may, it might be three years in a row now, Big 30. Really fun tournament. The West Side is always such a surprise. You're either find them or you're not. You're either in the numbers or you're not. Uh, it You got guys that know their spots. Um, two, three years ago, we had our guys go out. Um, I actually was not able to make this tournament, but 
in the morning I got a hold of them. I said, what was, what was the tournament like? They said, we literally went till 3 a.m. and maybe shot 10 fish. We couldn't, couldn't find a fish to save our life. Uh, they all of a sudden just out of the blue jumped around to some other places that they had pinned out and three, four o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden the fish show up. They start shooting fish, shooting fish, shooting fish. I believe if I remember correctly, and I know somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they were a pound off of the big, uh, big fish. And, and this was a big 30 tournament. I think they were a pound off big fish and we placed second place. Uh, we, we just found some slabs and it just like snapping your fingers, turn the light switch on. They just appeared. So this tournament's always really fun. We've had so much rain. The rivers are super high. They're chocolate milk. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I've talked to a handful of people that said they know where their spots are. They know where they, they usually find fish. And then they say, but depending on how high the water is and how discolored it is, we might be on option C or D because A and B are probably going to just be out of the question depending on how high the water is. So we got another week for water levels to come down to maybe something a little bit more reasonable. Uh, That being said, make sure you guys are wearing your flotation devices. There are so many awesome flotation devices. Uh, When we went down to the BAA annual meeting, uh, they had, I don't know the brand name, Brian, Brian purchased one or two of them. They were on sale 69, 79, 89, 99, something like that. I somewhere in that ballpark. They're super flat. They go around your round back of your neck, come down the front of your chest, super small, super flat. So it's not like it's bulky. It doesn't get in your way, but it's going to be a life changer if you were to ever go in the water. And I don't know about you guys, but the one time I went in the water, it was the first week of December. Thankfully, it was just over waist high, but wow, was it cold. That's what this weekend's going to be like. Sounds like our weekend is going to be low 32, chances of snow showers, uh, windy, 15, 20-mile-per-hour winds out of the northeast last I looked, and it's Michigan, so it's going to change. I'm sure tomorrow it could be saying it's 80, which I would not complain. But it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be pretty fun. Always a good time. So, again, the tournament's out of Athens. If it gets some rain and we need to, we'll we'll change it to another location, possibly Ziegler Farm. So, at this time, we are going to contact our good friend, fantastic sponsor, Tom Miller, with Arrow Out and see what he has to say and just kind of uh bring we want our idea behind this is we want to bring the people that are supporting us we want to bring them into the spotlight uh we'll do that one at a time we're not going to do a bunch in one podcast each podcast i'll try to have someone different but it's awesome that these guys are willing to support us tom and arrow out they they give us products and they don't even bat an eye. Uh, we have people that we contact and they've got to check their budget. They've got to 
make sure that their donation budget isn't overdue so that they can can donate and we do here unfortunately sorry we can't this time we'll try to get you next year the one thing about when jesse came on as president he started with bam as like the promotion guy and started getting all the such a awesome relationship with all these different companies and just start being able to get all these donations. I feel like, and I could be wrong. I've only been in BAM for uh, 10 years, but I feel like when Jesse came aboard and came the promotions director or whatever title they gave him, that the donation amounts, not, not, not money-wise, but gift-wise, skyrocketed. We were to the point where we were given a ton of items away as other side pots we'd add in last year because Jesse had done such a great job of getting donations. So we are so thankful for those people. We're going to try to just make a list, go through them and talk to all these different donations and donors and let them highlight their product. Tell us where it came from, what it's about in that gives us the opportunity to thank them and let them know how grateful we are that they're willing to donate a problem, a, pro, a problem, donate a product. So we're going to talk to Tom. So let's get him on the I dare to say 14 years. We probably go back. Uh, we yep. are, we are teammates on the tournaments. So we do know each other really well as far as, uh, the arrow out product that he makes. Um, I had the opportunity to do some filming for him when he was kind of testing it and stuff like that. So needless to say, we know each other a little bit. I, I probably uh, get on your nerves a little bit, don't I? Just a little bit. Uh, sometimes I want to keep you around, but then you do something sweet. And it reminds me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, I wanted to... Uh, kind of ask you and I kind of know a little bit of these answers but I kind of wanted to ask you first of all how did you how did you even learn about like what even not necessarily sparked your interest but how did you come to find out about bow fishing I mean it's one of those things that unless you're talking to someone it kind of comes out of nowhere so you don't really know where it comes from half the time so um, I was just curious what originally sparked you about bow fishing and who, who brought it up to you? So it was actually a guy that we had working for us. He was kind of a awful person. He was a convicted felon like 13 times. Fun. And, uh, yeah, he was an interesting character, but he, uh, one day said, Hey, you ever been bow fishing? I said, uh, no, what, what's that? And so he started telling me about it. And next thing you know, we're, loading up a old rowboat with a spotlight and uh, one old hunting bow with a reel on the front of it, one of those hand spool type. And uh, we went out on a local lake and he was rowing and I was standing up in the front of the boat and I think I shot three dogfish that night and that was that was the beginning of the end right there. It was game over for me. I, I kind of dove in head first right from that point. <laughs> So, 
I, I got to ask this question real quick. What was the first bow you ever had for bow fit? They converted to bow fishing and, and what did you put on it as far as real wise or? Oh man. So that night we were using the old pro line. They were made in Hastings, Michigan and it was 70 pounds Jeez. with a, uh, I don't remember what brand reel was on the front of that. But within probably a month, maybe two months from then, I had an old bear uh, bow, and I bought an AMS uh, reel, the original reel, and had that on there. And that was the bow I used for, oh, probably two or three years I used that bow. <laughs> so what was your first did you start off with a boat? Did you just, after that, I mean, did you continue to go with him? Did you find your own boat? Did you just start walking the banks? Kind of tell me the the first off history when it comes to Tom Miller and bow fishing. All right. So the progression, I guess, to ask. It was a pretty quick progression. So we started out in that little 12-foot rowboat, and I went out probably twice with him. Actually, I remember we had a spear that I had made in the shop that was in the boat and uh the second night he uh rode a little too quick while i was standing up and i fell down and all five points of the spear went into my back so that was that was pretty uh exhilarating mm. and then uh within a month or so i took a another little flat bottom boat that i owned and i found some old car headlights and hooked them up to a battery with some wires and wired nuts and that was my next boat and then Oh, probably within a year from that point, I uh, had an old fiberglass tri-hole that was down behind my parents' house, just a big old hunk of crap. Actually, you were there with me, and we dragged that boat up and uh, put 500-watt halogen lights on it, and the, uh, well, I think it was a 6,000-watt generator, dumped it into the pond and uh, tested it out, make sure it was blow. Of course, didn't put the plug in it, so it sank. And uh, dragged it out of there. And uh, we actually used that boat for, I don't know, three or four years. Yeah, I would say. Called it, yeah, at least. And we uh, nicknamed it the Big Ugly Green Boat. I was going to ask if you were going to say it. Yeah, Big Ugly Green Boat. We love that boat. It was the ugliest big old piece of crap. But it sure uh, could handle a load. It was steady. We had a six-horse Johnson on the back of that thing. And uh, we used that. We we even shot our first tournament ever out of that boat, and we did absolutely awful. We thought we we thought we were doing good. We shot a thirty-two pound fish in our first tournament ever, and we thought, all right, we've got big fish in the bag. And then the guy pulled in with a there was what was there? There was three fish bigger than us. There was a thirty-eight pounder, forty-some pounder, and then the guy had a it was 59, just about 60 pounds. And still to this day, that's the biggest carp I've seen in Michigan. It was, it was amazing. That was out of DNR Sports, correct? Yep, DNR Sports. Put on by and, uh, uh, the Resonator guy, Nate. Nate. Yep, Nate Griffion. Yes, I do yep. remember that. And I remember that guy was hiding that carp, if I remember correctly, and nobody, didn't want to let anybody show the barrel, and we thought we had it in the bag. Yeah, and then everybody got done, and he pulled that one out and just just uh, ruined our day. <laughs> yep. So, big but, uh, green boat, I remember that. So, where did it progress from there? 
So then we moved down from the Big Ugly Green Boat. I bought a 1648 Alumacraft flat bottom, and I thought I'd hit the big time with that boat. Uh, painted it up all black and yellow, made it pretty, and at that point we switched over to metal halides, and uh, I had a big metal deck that I welded up, fabricated in the shop, mounted on that boat. And we uh, we actually shot a lot of tournaments with four guys on that boat, and it did. It did surprisingly well for what it was. Well, so it had the steel deck on it that was heavier yeah. than all get out. But I yep. tell you what, I feel like that boat, it was a um, Mod V, and I feel yep. like that boat floated. I can't imagine how how much better it would have floated if it had an aluminum deck on it, but that thing floated great, and it had, I mean, that was an extra two people on the front of it just counting the deck. Yeah, it was, I it floated amazingly well for what it was. I, I in fact, we did end up, we put a aluminum deck out there the last year that I owned it. I stripped everything off from it, built a whole aluminum deck on there. And then we had put a 25 horse Johnson on the back of it and set it up so that we could steer it and control it from the front deck. And, uh, we ended up me and my buddy, Nick nation were shooting the GLBC. I was hoping you would tell this story. Yeah, so that was that was the craziest year ever. We uh, when it, the weather was absolutely awful, spitting rain, nasty. We get out there. They send us off the first morning. So it was a Saturday morning, seven o'clock. Send us off. We get to our spot and take off and go. Oh, we were probably two hundred yards from the launch and got everything all set up and ready. It was a daytime shoot and. uh we're both standing on the front of the deck and I just started speeding up a little bit, throttling up. So we were pushing quite a bit of water and we looked down, we were in, I don't know, we were probably in six foot of water, maybe a little bit deeper. Um, we saw a carp down below us and, uh, I pointed and said, there's fish right there. So we both stepped forward and I let off the throttle and it was just the perfect concoction for, uh, turning that boat into a submarine. Because you were, you might've just said this and I apologize if you did, because you were, controlling it from the front correct right yeah we're standing all the way up on the front of the boat and uh so we both stepped forward i let off the throttle and that thing just nosedived and i'm looking at these fish and all of a sudden i realized that there was water at my feet that deck was lifted six foot above the top rail of the boat and so uh, i turned around and dove i yelled to nick i said get to the back of the boat and i dove actually i still have a scar on my leg from when i dove i caught it on something and uh, I got back there, and Nick jumped back there, and in the process of barrel flying out of the boat, and uh, we ended up both at the back of the boat, and it slowly righted itself. But the boat was three quarters of the way full of water; everything was floating. I had just installed a, a uh, pump the night before, thankfully. So I turned that on, and we sat there trying not to move for half an hour while. We pumped water out of it, and then finally got to where we could start moving, and we grabbed a bucket and cleaned all the water out, got everything all situated, and we were we were scared as could be at that point. I was kind of afraid to even move around, and it kind of put the fear in us. Yeah, I, I can but, imagine. Now, was that the last year of that boat? That was the last year of that boat, yep. In fact, so we got all done, got back up on there, and, it wasn't half an hour later. We uh, were going along, running the trolling motor then. 
And we had 30, uh, what did we have? Yeah, with 36 volt, 112 pound thrust trolling motor up on the front of there. And, uh, we were going along chasing some fish. And all of a sudden that trolling motor snapped right off the front of the boat and started running around in the water. There's just the wires connected to it. <laughs> and, uh, we, I grabbed onto the wires and yanked it up the boat. It's still running, and it was it was just the weirdest weekend ever. But I guess that's what memories are made of. Yeah, and I I laugh just because there's so many people out there in the bow fishing world that probably tell similar stories. I've heard so many stories of trolling motors coming off and, and boat back motors coming off, and there, there's so many stories like that that it, it just makes me laugh that. Uh, not that it was you, but the fact that you can tell that story and you, you know, you got through it, but, <laughs> uh, so then from there, did you end up with, did you end up with the arrow out boat? What boat did you guys buy after that? Cause I know we used mine a little bit. I had upgraded from a 1648 to a, did I, I had upgraded by then, right? To the, to the 1860. Yeah. You had the 1860 at that point. So I sold that boat. It was, uh, let's see, I sold it in. Well, May, so it was in the springtime, I sold that boat, and I went a full season without it, and it was like the worst thing ever. I, it was so weird not having a boat. Uh, only time I wanted to go, I had to call you up or somebody else, and it was just stupid. So uh, I ended up, actually, Nick Nation and I together ran up north, must have been November of that year, we went up and bought what is now the arrow boat and so that's a gator tracks that's a 1864 with the hunt deck it's a 2064 yeah beautiful boat uh it's got a is that a 90 on the back yep so it's a 90 horse mercury on the back yeah that's that boat it gets around so beautifully and it's so smooth. It's got such good balance. You, to be honest with you, the first time I saw it, I looked at that thing and I go, I don't feel like you've upgraded much from the last one. So it, but just beyond that boat, it balances so well. I mean, you to walk from one side to the other, you would, you don't even the boat don't even move. So it's right. it's such an awesome awesome boat. So my next question is. You are the owner, you and your brother, Tim, of Merit Manufacturing, correct? Merit Manufacturing and Merit Products. So the Merit Products is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's the pretty much your product line. Is that is that how best way to put it? Yeah, yep. Which would include the infamous Arrowop. Correct. So what what brought you to develop that product that everybody today has realized, where has this been my whole life? Uh, uh, technically, I could probably blame that on you because, uh, well, you can't hit fish. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> People don't need to know that. I'm the treasure, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. I might want to edit that out. But, <laughs> no uh, kidding. No, we were, so we were back in our bay shooting uh, one of BAM's tournaments. And uh, we, at that point, we were all shooting. I don't know if we all were, but at least you were. Come on now. 
and I believe Nick also was shooting the, the harsh rock arrow. Oh, okay. That's where you're going with that. I thought you were so, yeah, yeah, on the bus again. Okay. Keep going. No, you guys were shooting the harsh rock arrows at that point, And, uh, we were, we were in like four foot of water shooting at these fish. And it was just the nastiest, rootiest bottom. And every time you miss arrow would get stuck and you'd yank and yank until the line would break. And just because I'm ape-like and have long arms, I ended up being the one that had to retrieve your arrow. And it got to the point where I just took my shirt off and I had to stick my head under and keep pulling these arrows out of the bottom. And yep. it just, it was kind of ridiculous. And so I actually, uh, I got home and the next night I was talking with my wife and I said, you know, there's gotta be some better way to deal with this. And so I sat down on the computer and started looking and there was, there was nothing. There were no good options. And, uh, so within a week I started discussing with my brother, Tim, which he's the brains of the operation. And, uh, we started out with my first prototype was just this goofy ring with a string tied to it that you drop down over an arrow. And I quickly discovered that was worthless. And, uh, we went through, I think we went through seven prototypes within a month. Uh, it was actually within that month and seven prototypes that we landed on the final design. Um, we had to tweak a few things. We were being very careful to have everything manufactured in the USA or all the products sourced, I should say, in the USA. Very cool. Um, you know, so we, our, the hardest part about that was the rubber. All the companies kept trying to send us overseas to get our rubber grippers made. And we said, no, we don't want to do that. And so we actually ended up with a company right here in Michigan that makes them. We had a mold built specifically for them. And aluminum handles are extruded right here in Michigan also. And everything is everything is sourced from the USA. And we build it and we'll make it and ship it right out of our shop in Michigan. So that's kind of cool. That is very cool. So now, uh, how many years has this been on the market now? I'm, I'm trying to think. Oh, man. That's been... Been three uh, or longer? Three years, yeah. It's been three years, uh, three and a half years. I think it was in the fall that we came out with it. Okay, so now that the Arrow Out has been out, you have found little ways to add attachments. Give us a rundown of some of the attachments and I mean, if, for example, a duck foot, somebody might not know what a duck foot is. Just maybe explain that. Yeah, sure. Well, we make three attachments. The uh, first one is a duck foot or a push pull attachment, which is extremely handy. I, I keep one on the end of one of my XTs pretty much all the time. What's an XT? Um, an XT is our extendable version. Uh, it's square handled one that starts out at five foot and you can extend it out all the way out to nine foot with just a push of a button and sliding it. Nice. Yep. And uh, so that works out really great with the push pulls because it goes out to nine foot. So you got a little bit more length when you're uh, pushing the muck. But uh, that duck foot is all stainless steel hardware. It snaps right on the end of a push pull and it's got a stainless steel push button that you push and pops right back off. And then nice. we also did the gaff hook. So you can use that for retrieving fish. You can use that for retrieving decoys if you're into duck hunting. Um, 
And the, we the also duck did. foot is very good for that as well. Exactly. Yeah, we, we saw a lot of just so we uh, ended up with a version that is just the handle and the duck foot. You can we sell those, and we also do um powder coated uh, mouse green. So that duck hunters really like that. We sell a lot to Arkansas for some reason. <laughs> but uh, we also do a paddle attachment, and that comes in pretty handy when other things die. Or and, like you uh, try to sink. It the also DLC. has a little. Exactly. <laughs> it also has a little cutout in that for uh, retrieving decoy lines or fishing line, and that's it, it, handy. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a very cool design that you guys added into that. So, so one other thing I want to bring up that I don't think a lot of people know about, and I got to say, I think it's an awesome product. I think the way you guys have developed it has been fantastic. Uh, but a lot of people don't know about it. And we were just, you and I were together. Oh, last, uh, I guess it was the beginning of last week. And you brought up that you had someone call and purchase some, but you guys make HPS or high pressure sodium light housings as well. Correct. We do. Yep. So tell us what's special about those light housing compared to any other normal light housing that these guys are going out and buying when it comes to these HPS, because as you and I have grown to love, um, there's just something about high pressure sodium lights and shooting over that green, or not green, the, the orange mm-hmm. glow. Um, we love the high pressure sodium lights, but what is special versus yours versus somebody that's just selling them? And I don't know exactly what yours are priced at, but it, doesn't even matter to me because of the design that you guys came up with it. it, I think it's worth every penny. So kind of explain your thoughts behind that and and what you guys did with the housing itself. Right. So, uh, we named those the HPS nineties. And the reason that is 90 is because they are designed so that the light comes out of it. And it's only at a 90 degree angle. It's not every other light is, 180 degrees straight from top to bottom. So you're shooting straight up in the air, shooting straight down the side of the boat, and you're losing half of your light up at houses and the sky and the trees. And so we designed ours, and uh, it's formed so that it pretty much goes uh, straight down the side of the boat and out, depending on the height that you have it from the boat, out the uh, 15 yards or so, your typical what you want for a pattern on the water for shooting fish. And uh, they work out great. You get about double the lumen, lumens that actually are in the water compared to your traditional just straight floodlights. So another thing that I've noticed with them compared to other lights, our old HPS lights that we would run is – I guess the best way I can describe it is some of these newer vehicles. And I, and I think particularly of my wife's newer car, that's just a year or two old. Some of these new headlights in cars has a very distinct line where old headlights and vehicles would just shine out where these newer vehicles have kind of like a distinct line where you, you see it's light and no light. And that's kind of about what I see when, I look at these HPS lights, you really are not losing all that up in the air. Like you, you normally would, for example, my, 
I run the 200 watt uh, LEDs on my airboat. And I mean, you're shining treetops where yours, you might get a little reflection off the water, but for the most part, you're not really blaring light in houses. You're, you're, you kind of got that perfect cutoff. Like you said, that 90 degree, you, you got that light cut off and you're not losing all that. You're getting a lot more concentration to the water. That That's kind of how I would explain it. If I was to explain it, I don't know if, if that's a good representation of explaining it or not, but yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Well, I wanted to ask you, uh, just one more question here, uh, before we go, but, um, what would be maybe maybe a two part question? So, what's a funny story you have? Let's put it that way. And what is a memory you have that you think back and you it just makes you realize maybe a how much you love bow fishing and and b I'll never forget that it was such a memorable time on the on the water pertaining to bow fishing. And maybe the two uh, are related. So maybe maybe just give me a story of something that might have been a hilarious uh, happening. And then something that was a, a really great memory. You'll never forget when it comes to bow fishing. Sure. Mm, off the top of my head. I don't know if I have a hilarious one. I'm sure I've got plenty of one. Um, specifically, I remember a turn that we shot through BAM. Oh, I don't know. It was probably three, maybe four years ago. And, uh, it was the West side, big 30. And uh, we had no idea where we were going to go. We got there, and everybody took off flying from send-off, and they all had their spots they were going to, and we drove across the street to uh, Burger King and uh, ordered some food. I said, all right, where do you guys want to go? And uh, so we pulled out our phones and started, we can try this spot, this spot, this spot, this spot. So we finished our food and took off, and, we went and hit the first three or four places that we wanted to go, and we weren't hardly getting into anything at all. By the time we had left the fourth spot, there was maybe five fish that were worth anything in our boat. And uh, so we picked the next spot, and it was uh, it was probably 2 o'clock in the morning at this point. And uh, we hit this area we'd never been before in our lives, and started going around it and it wasn't anything crazy happening and then we got halfway around and all of a sudden this guy from come walking out of his house and i could just tell by his body language that he was uh seemed to be a bit upset and uh, we got up right there close to him and he came right to the shore and i realized he was holding a pistol in his hand and he started yelling at us shaking his pistol and uh it was a tense moment he said, what are you guys doing? And I said, we're bow fishing. It's 100% legal. And I just kept on moving. And we were all right. And, of course, two or three of us were all carrying. So it was would have been an interesting situation if he had progressed any further. But he just stood there and stared at us, and we kept going. And we made it partway around the lakes then. And uh, I, I actually had said, you know, let's go a hundred more yards. And if something doesn't start happening, we've got to move on. And we must've made it 97 yards. And all of a sudden fish just appeared out of nowhere. And we were suddenly in the, the biggest group of giant carp that we'd ever been in. And, uh, 
we ended up leaving that lake with we had a 40 pounder 38 pounder and then two 36 pounders uh we ended up actually we took second in that tournament it ended up being close uh alex ziegler actually ended up beating us that night but we were quite happy from uh, the amount of scouting we did and getting to two o'clock in the morning with nothing to show for it to suddenly get in second place in that tournament. I guess that would be my fun, exciting memory to look back on. (laughs) So that is hilarious that you brought that story up because when I started the podcast, I spoke about how much fun this West side tournament has, has been throughout the years and how it was, few years ago the big 30 uh we did that a few years in a row and i actually said this the same story um i was not with you guys and i remember talking to you the next day and and you telling us this because weren't you did you win big fish or that you got second in that as well i was trying to remember No, we won we won big fish okay okay see i could not remember i just uh at the beginning of the podcast when i was bringing it up i i thought you guys had got second in both. I thought you were like a pound off, off of uh big fish, but well, that's cool that you tell that story. Cause that's the exact same thing I told at the beginning of the, the podcast when it came to this tournament and what kind of fun you can have, how it can like a light switch, just turn on you. So yep, they can go from one extreme to the next. Yeah, exactly. So, well, Tom, we really, really do thank you from BAM. Uh, we appreciate what you do when it comes to your donations you make bam um successful when it comes to being able to share donations with others and and you have without even bat and i donated stuff to to bam and we just truly do appreciate that i don't just say that because you're my teammate i don't i don't say it because of that i truly say it from bam i mean you know you know Jesse just as well as I know Jesse, and and Jesse would tell you the same thing I do, that we so appreciate you. Jesse has said before that uh, you are one of our bigger uh, sponsors and supporters, and we really do thank you, and we just want you to know that, and we look forward to um, – I mean, I, I know that I'm going to see you during tournaments, but – I hope that you realize that when you're on the tournament trail and you're out there, people really do like seeing you in the arrow outs and the arrow out boat. And we are very thankful for what you do. All right. So we just want to say thank you and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And we look forward to seeing you this weekend. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one, Tom. So that is Tom Miller from arrow out merit products. We really do thank him. We have so many awesome sponsors, and we're going to bring those guys to you. With that being said, we appreciate you listening to podcast number two from BAM, and we hope to see you on Saturday. It will be the first tournament. Things may change a little bit. Weather's going to be nasty. Surprise, it's Michigan. We know uh, she's bipolar. And I shouldn't say she, should I? We know it's bipolar. There will be a little, will be a little uh, PC there. But thank you for listening, and we will see you guys on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs>